Welcome to the first episode of the STAR, Society of Tarot and Astrology Readers podcast. We are your hosts, Nao Kanaka of The Real It's Nao and Joali Nicole of Queen Machete. Here we will dive in to the world of tarot and astrology as well as other metaphysical topics as it pertains to the community at large. And this is where we bring the esoteric into the real world and make the esoteric our reality. We are so happy this is finally happening. We're honored to make our podcast debut. And let me tell you, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> Very um, long time. <laughs> a long time. Some false starts, but here we are. Um, as many of you have noticed, Terran astrology has been making a resurgence in the popular culture, kind of like, you know, the Middle Ages, <laughs> especially <laughs> in the last 10 years. Um, didn't you just say you saw... Um, tarot dog toys or something yes yeah, it's everywhere <laughs> it's gone mainstream that even your pupper can chew the head off of the death card on a random tuesday <laughs> it's exactly um i saw somebody say that their radio station like their local radio station was pulling cards for the collective so yes especially in the last 10 years there has been just a huge resurgence of tarot and astrology and we're seeing it in our day-to-day -day life um you can go to sephora and get an astrology themed um palette you can get tarot themed face masks it's everywhere um we're most definitely in a revival so people are looking beyond basic sun sign astrology you can even go on snapchat and snapchat will break down your natal chart for you, you may have learned you were a libra moon that way <laughs> and um <laughs> <laughs> While I had to purchase my first tarot deck in like the secret, you know, covenant, <laughs> very, very private, um, we're now seeing tarot on public display in ways that we couldn't have dreamed of. Like, even probably five years ago, um, I was so nervous to like tell people that I was a tarot reader. And now it's like everybody and their mama is a tarot reader. Mm -hmm. So, um, one thing that really excites uh, practitioners like us who've, you know, between the two of us, we have over 30 years of experience is um, watching, like actually in, in real time, watching these esoteric arts become demystified in terms of being used solely for looking at the future. Prior, it was like, okay, let me predict your future. But now we're watching the focus shift to using tarot and astrology as an anchor for introspection and having like that self-help look. While when I first started my tarot practice and saying that I was using tarot for introspection rather than divination or like looking at the future, that was like a really big deal. So um, that's what we're here to do. What are we going to talk about today now? So in this first inaugural round of our podcast, we're going to kind of dive into why tarot and astrology are ideal introspective tools um, and how it can be applied to just like everyday mindfulness, everyday self-reflection and everyday like self-growth, really using it as a tool to kind of develop who we are as people. Because one that thing that's really shifted to in tone you're talking about how like we're not always looking to discover the future anymore. It's also about doing that dive within the cell and how it's really becoming more secular, how it's not just it limited is. to a specific demographic, whether we should call it, I guess, like the new age community or the esoteric community, um, but it's, it's really fanning out. So that way, even middle-class moms may have a tarot deck hidden somewhere that they use to, you know, maybe ask if their husband's cheating or not, but also to figure out how they feel about that. You know what I mean? They definitely have it for their Instagram pictures. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a prop, right? It's definitely yeah. a prop. That's what we're going to get into today. Um, that it's not a religion and like a little bit, um, cause we're not going to be able to cover it all because it's just such a huge concept. It's a universal archetypes and how that applies, kind of defining that. And then we're going to finish off uh, letting you guys know um, about our personal journeys and how we got here. So um, we do plan on having a lot more episodes where we dive into specific things. Um, but today really is going to be 
an overview of tarot, astrology, how they work together, how it's not as spiritual as you think, and um, kind of an intro to archetypes and why that matters. So let's jump into it. So I think what a good place to start would be to talk about, you know, tarot and astrology for real life. Like, why is it better used as an introspection tool rather than, say, um, an oracular one? I think, well, first of all, when you're using it to spy on your ex or, <laughs> you know, try to get the winning lottery numbers, it's just not accurate. Like, let me right. say it. It's just <laughs> not accurate. Let's get that out of the way. Um, if tarot could give you the winning lottery numbers, then there would be we'd a all ton be rich. of... They would have no rich. lottery no more. <laughs> exactly. If tarot could really make us make... No, it, it can help us make better decisions around relationships. But if knowing what, you know, your ex's baby mama is currently doing really was helpful information, um, you know, tarot would be suited for that. It doesn't, I think it takes somebody who's more seasoned with using the cards to know what voice they use mm -hmm. and what the cards themselves want to focus on. So if you take the time to sit with your tarot deck and really get familiar with how, how tarot taps into those archetypes that we're going to define here in a minute, um, you'll see that it actually works better to look within and reflect on how the answers it, it is providing works with you as an individual person rather than outwardly because regardless even if we're looking into somebody else or looking into a third party it's always going to be filtered through the reader so even if i'm doing a reading for nao the reading and the way those archetypes interact is going to be based on my experience with those archetypes not nao's and i think people forget the mechanism by which it works so that's what I would say, um, why it works better for introspection than divination or like predicting the future or kind of like being a fly on the wall in somebody else's life. Right. And I think the fact that we're dealing with archetypes, which are these more larger universal symbols, experiences that all people, regardless of their background, usually have some familiarity with. Um, and since they are that universal, they're also very loosely subject to interpretation. Like every single one of us has a different experience with the concept of grief, for example. So we're all going to yes. have our different contexts that we're going to use to kind of fill in the blanks. Um, so when that five of cups card comes up and we want to talk about what that means and how it translates to our personal experience, we kind of have to be mindful that the other person might not have that same experience that we do. So there's simultaneously like this open-ended symbol of grief, but within it, like this full rich possibility of how a person could experience that grief. Um, so that's why it's better to look at those things and kind of apply them internally. Now, this is obviously not to say that like you can never do a tarot reading for somebody else, but it is to be mindful that the information's being interpreted, like you were saying, through your personal lens, rather than being the, the God's truth of that person's life and their experience. And I think astrology, even more so, right? Because a, a lot of in astrology, we're looking at personal birth charts. Like my birth chart is specific to me because it deals with the place I was born, the time I was born and the date, which is not going to be the same or universal for anybody, even if they're born in that same time or place, it'll be a slightly different, you know? Absolutely. And I think we've mentioned it a few times, um, archetype. Um, so I want to define what that is yeah. before we go any further, because we've already said the word a few times. And I wanted to find kind of how it applies to astrology and how it applies to tarot. So um, the definition that we're going to use today is from the American Psychological Association. 
And archetypes are universal inborn models of people, behaviors, or personalities that play a role influencing human behavior. They were introduced by Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung, who suggested that these archetypes were archaic forms of innate human knowledge passed down from our ancestors. So the APA is a scientific organization. Carl Jung um, is a huge part of psychology, um, especially archetypal and, you know, introspection uh, type of psychology. But he is on the like borderline of like where the woo meets the science. Um, (laughs) So we're talking about, you know, innate human knowledge. And some people might argue like, is there such thing as innate human knowledge? You know, um, that's for another episode. We're gonna just say that there is. Mm -hmm. Um, And in tarot, those archetypes are encompassed by the imagery in the cards and the sequence of the cards in astrology, those things are encompassed by the signs themselves mm-hmm. and um, what they represent, their strengths, their weaknesses, and the universal symbols. For example, um, the sun, what does that represent? You know, the sun, if anybody, if you, if you mention the sun to somebody, they're not gonna think of Antarctica, the frost, you know, they're gonna right. think, a lot of us are gonna think of very similar things. But if you live somewhere where the sun is scarce, it might be different than if you live in the tropics and what the sun represents. So that's how our personal lens over the universal archetype gives you that combination will give you a very personal approach to each thing. Not everybody's going to come up with the same answer, but there also isn't technically wrong answers once you get the basics down. Cause there is a framework. Mm-hmm. Um, a birth chart allows for the framework to be where the positions of the stars were the moment you were born and what that represents based on predetermined definitions of the signs and the planets for tarot it is there are astrological associations in tarot so that is also borrowed from there but there's also the the individual imagery on the cards and what that represents so yeah how do you what are your thoughts on that now using both of these tools to kind of understand who you are what role you're playing in your own story has such profound benefits that I think that's probably why it's actually starting to hit the mainstream. Because I think, especially in what we call, say, the Pluto and Scorpio generation, or someone like to call us millennials, even though there isn't, those lines aren't, you know, exactly overlaid onto each other. Um, we are more focused in diving within us and seeking self-understanding as a way of making ourselves better people like we're looking at especially we have the tendency to look at our parents and see the ways that they fucked up and were fucked up by their parents and kind of these generational cycles that are spiraling through us and we know that here in the present we have the best advantage or best positioned to do something about these generational cycles but you can't do it just running on the assumption that you have never done any wrong you never shall or the fact that you're not that you're you know perfect that we're not flawed and i think both tarot and astrology are ways to navigate the acknowledgement that we are flawed beings that we're complicated beings we're complex beings and sometimes we don't even understand ourselves very well and that's okay it's also really hard to make sense of what the heck is going on around us in our external environment. And I think tarot and astrology really can fit a role in helping an individual kind of orient themselves in the tableau of their lives. And while it can't always account for all of the external factors, it can kind of show you which of those external factors are influencing your internal dialogue the most in that moment. Um, And I think that's what people want the most out of it now, because you're realizing that the bigger picture things, you know, are outside of our control. I can't make COVID go away tomorrow. I can't make, you know, the country be not in the economic toilet and make sure everybody has access to all of the things that they need to live healthy and productive lives. I can't do that. But what I can do is I can adjust how I react and how I experience it 
within the context of my perception of it. So I think tarot and astrology could be a really, really great tool for just making sense of this thing we call life. Absolutely. And it's funny. It's not funny. It's factual that you bring up the um, Pluto and Scorpio generation because we're very also very focused on our trauma. So, yes. So you, you may hear like trauma being talked about more openly than in previous generations. And there's, there's an astrological reason for that. A lot of our parents were Pluto and Leo. So that's why we dealt with this, you know, very egocentrical parents, egocentrical. It's probably not even a word, but it counts. Now. Just very, it counts now. <laughs> um, just very self-absorbed, not focused on, you know, how things can be traumatizing where, you know, I think I just shared something yesterday that it, that it says, if you're, if your parents didn't listen to you, that that's child abuse, you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, for us, especially we're on the, well, we're solidly millennials, but millennials are aging out. Like we're not the main focus anymore. And I know that's interesting, right? Um, but um, trauma and being able to deal with trauma or how you process your trauma, mm -hmm. it can give you a way to look at yourself. Um, and this kind of goes into another point that we wanted to bring in today is a lot of people and we take it for granted because we deal with a population that is already well-versed and we don't have to explain the basics. But a lot of people think this is devil-related, mm -hmm. spirit-related, yeah. and it can be spiritually adjacent. I have yet to see very much devil-related things. In fact, I see much more Jesus or Christian-influenced things than I see um actual devil type stuff um, right. in our practices. But a big point that Nao and I have and something we agree on and what makes us partners is that we know that these can be entirely secular tools. Yes. You can 100% not believe in astrology, like just straight up think it's false, but use this compass use this proportion to look at your life through this lens like pretend you did believe it and these were the concepts and because you have a you know cancer moon that's why you're so absorbed and loving with your family um even if you don't believe that that's true you can almost like pretend that you do and be able to look at yourself through that lens and get something out of it mm -hmm. with tarot. It's like an inkblot test. Yes. And um, inkblot tests. I'm sure I could have done some research on some factual truths about inkblot <laughs> tests, but I think we can assume and know that when you look at an inkblot test, they ask you, what do you see? And there isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer. There are blots of ink. Now, there are answers based on what the majority of people would see. Mm -hmm. And maybe some answers that you would get more often than others. But each answer is unique. And based on your answer, that tells you about your cognitive processes, about not only your cognitive processes, but your emotional disposition. Right. And your orientation in life in general. So that's why I think it's so useful is even if you're not, and I've gotten in fights with people, they're like, this is spirit is what tells you what to say. <laughs> and I'm sure for some people, spirit is what mm -hmm. tells them what to say. But right. I took a very academic approach because, because of my mm -hmm. Capricorn Neptune, um, I needed practicality to anchor me. Otherwise I wouldn't have believed it. If it was just, spirit fairies and 5d and you know floating up whatever the fuck yeah trend they're talking about i would have been less likely but because I, it can be academic and it can be secular in my opinion that gives it more value not less mm -hmm. um it gives it more value because you can basically give a tarot deck to anyone and as long as it follows the the basic, you know, what we could call the Smith imagery, um, then you'll pretty much be able to read tarot. One of the amazing things that my tarot teacher told me 
was, and it took me a while to really understand what she meant. Mm-hmm. And, but she said, you can't be wrong when reading tarot for yourself. Yeah. And I remember being like, what do you mean you can't be wrong? Then why are we teaching classes? And you could just like, anybody could say anything. <laughs> but once I understood the breakdown of what we were doing and how it was a window into yourself, mm-hmm. if you look at, you know, for, you know, if you look at the Empress and can't stand her, then you might have some mama issues, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you might have some issues with how you relate to women. Or if you feel like the emperor is somehow more powerful than the empress, then that can be a comment on how you feel about your own disposition in society as a woman or just dealing with internalized misogyny or whatnot. That's just one example of the thousands of combinations that can be out there. Yeah. And I think the power of the secular secularity, I guess is the word, maybe? Mm-hmm. That's um, a word. That, that one is. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Aqua Mercury, bringing it in. Um, yes. The secularity of both tarot and astrology is that because we can approach it without religion, it makes it more accessible to more people. And because these, again, are tools for introspection, for self-cultivation, for self-improvement, which everybody needs because there's not a single one of us out here roaming around that has got it all sorted out. And that accessibility can be extremely powerful and extremely helpful to people who need it. So that's why I feel, I mean, it's also my family's tradition is to put a deck of tarot cards in the hands of our teenagers and teach them how to read tarot on their teens in my family, because we want them to have tools early on for them to understand who they are, where they want to go, what they want to be. And when they're confused by that or confused by life and where they belong within it, we can say, grab your, go get your tarot deck. Or do you want me to get mine? You know, like auntie or otherwise it's, we're going to get it sorted, baby. We're going to get it sorted. So I think bringing these arts and encouraging people saying like, no, it doesn't have to be, you do not have to believe in a higher power in order to use either of these things. Um, but if you do, this can also be in alignment with it. Like it's not, they, exactly. it, it doesn't have to cancel out on either side of the religious, not religious fence. It doesn't. That makes it a unifying. Yes. That makes it unifying. That is why we are not the society of spiritual woo-woos of <laughs> magical 5D, you know, which there probably is a society called that. Sure. Sure. Um, we are the Society <laughs> of Terran Astrology Readers, and there isn't, there's no religion. I mean, we have people in there that are on some darkity dark, dark, and we have some people that are on some love and light. We have some secular people. We have some people who believe that spirit wakes them up in the morning, you yeah. know, so there's, um, and no cap on either side, you know, yeah. um, I'm pretty middle of the ground, middle of the road. Uh, when it comes to that. But the reason I chose um, tarot and astrology as the focus specifically, rather than witchcraft and magic or self-help and love was because tarot and astrology is universal. And whether you are on some, I am summoning the dark forces, or if you are on some, I don't believe that there is a heaven or hell or God or devil. It is still something that can be applied in a universal way. And we can agree on that. And we can discuss those things because we all experience the transits. You know, most tarot decks follow a very um, similar system and we can discuss how those archetypes apply. They deal with motherhood, fatherhood, control, emotions, all the elements, um, fire, water, air, earth. Um, There are just patterns in there that cross cultures, cross generations, cross genders and life experiences. So when we say we're the Society of Tarot and Astrology readers, that is just saying that we are a society of people that agree that this can be used to live your life as a mechanism to mm-hmm. assist in living. Um, yeah. Can it help you make decisions? Yes. Will it make decisions for you? No, but it will help you understand 
your own process of decision making, mm-hmm. which oftentimes is half the battle. Um, I love that you mentioned that in your family, it's a tradition. So that's a very different experience than my family. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me more about your family and your first experience with tarot, what it means in your family, how you got to where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. So my dad is a very, uh, he's, he's a fellow on the new age kind of uh, stream, which was of his generation, right? He very much was a hippie in old school parlance, we could say. Um, and for him, he really got into these arts at a younger age because he was influenced by my great aunt. Um, my great aunt went all the way down to, I believe it was in Virginia Beach, but where Edgar Casey, um, who was a very popular uh, Western occult figure of his time, um, my aunt went down there to his clinic and did some work with him. And then she also learned palmistry. Um, and so when my dad was going through some metaphysical experiences, I'll just say that to keep it brief, when he was young and she was the only person um, he could talk about that with, she kind of encouraged him to do certain things and to explore certain things in order to understand what was happening to him. Um, So when I was around 11, my parents got a divorce Um, and it was a very sudden thing, um, traumatizing for both us, the kids and for my parents themselves, it was a hot mess. Um, And when my father would have us for the weekend, he would do a couple of things with us because He's a Virgo with a Capricorn moon. So emotionally processing is not his strong suit, not in a way that's like, oh, let's snuggle and be physically affectionate while you can cry on my shoulder, though I could have. He never would have stopped me necessarily, but it wasn't that wasn't his style. His style was let's put music on and we're going to dance out how we feel. But then also, I remember one evening he was like, I want to show you guys something. And he had this beautiful silk scarf laid on the floor. Um, and a deck of cards and a candle. And he said, these are my tarot cards. And I use them whenever I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I'm confused, where my emotions are intense, but I don't know what to do about them. Um, And I use them to just understand who I am and where I'm going. And I want to do a reading with all of us together. I had me and my three siblings there at the time. Um, And he's like, I want to do a, a reading for us as a family. And so part of his ritual was to um, take a strand of your hair out and burn it in the candle prior to starting the reading. So all of us took a strand of hair out and burned it in the candle. And we did a reading. His deck was the Aquarian Tarot. So whenever I see that, I feel extremely nostalgic. And I just, I love seeing that deck out in the wild still. It's an older one, but it's, it's, it's beautiful. I love the artwork. So that was my introductory experience with tarot. And it was probably a few months later um, where I was, again, spending the weekend with him. And feeling extremely teenage angsty about things. And I said, I just want to understand why I feel this way. And he very calmly got up and he grabbed out this chart that was laminated. And he handed me a copy of Derek and Julia Parker's The Complete Astrologer. And he said, this is your birth chart. This will help you understand why you are who you are and give you some more information. So here's here you go. Take these and... Uh, and look it up, look these placements up in the book, and it'll explain things to you. And I was blown away. My, I was like 12 at the time, which interestingly is the time of your Jupiter return. So now I've personally, because I found that to be so symbolic that I was introduced to both tarot and astrology at the time of my Jupiter return, that I now do that for all of my uh, nibblings, shall we say, my nieces and nephews, that I do that to them when they turn 12, as I get them their first tarot cards, their first tarot deck. And, uh, and give them their birth chart and say, do you want to help? Do you want help understanding this? Let me introduce you to this. This is kind of cool. Um, so that's how my family uh, so introduces awesome. it and, and does it now. That's beautiful. Um, I did not have that experience. I did not. I grew up in a very um, Christian home. And well, my, my family was like defectors. You know, um, my mom <laughs> grew up. Um, as a pastor's daughter. So she had her own Pisces, Sun, Aries, Moon rebellion. Mm. She retained her own spirituality, 
But she wasn't very demonstrative of religion on us besides like sending me to a Christian school yeah, and saying that we're Christian. And, but every once in a while she would pop up and burn the goosebumps books that somebody gifted me in front of my face in a very dramatic way or tell me that Harry Potter was of the devil. So I never got to read also Pikachu was satanic as well not because i think she really believed it but because someone said that yeah honestly um so it wasn't like she was super christian herself because she did like smoke cigarettes and like do her own thing never went to church Mm -hmm. um but she had christian conditioning so that rolled downhill i would have never been able to possess um a deck of tarot cards my um my dad is uh, a psychologist and you know he does not believe he's a cap cap virgo so he does <laughs> he's the opposite of that does not yeah. believe it exists you know thinks it's just chance and something you know you know all horoscopes sound you know universal enough that it could apply which i i That's do agree point. to some extent <laughs> yeah i do agree with that but either way was not introduced to me as a child i got my first tarot deck from barnes and noble um it was the enchanted tarot my friend um a very dear friend of mine uh, we've lost contact over the years but um her activating so much of my spirituality and personal identity I think we all have a friend that has like that kind of impact on us. Um, She bought me the deck and I had already, we had like created this game that was based on cards with symbols that, you know, we played as a friend group. Mm -hmm. And um, this was, you know, I was probably 20 years Mm -hmm. old and um, I got it and people would ask me, you know, read my cards and, I would grab the car. It was Enchanted Tarot. So the Enchanted Tarot, I do not recommend for beginners. It doesn't Mm -hmm. really align very much with any type of tarot archetype. I remember I thought the tower was just some lovely card. I think it's pink with hearts or something (laughs) like that. So um, I, I, you know, miraculously, when I go back and read my notes, it's like, wow, I really did get this. I did have a knack for it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't because the deck was giving me any leeway. It was because I just naturally had that disposition. But um, yeah, it was the Enchanted Tarot. And I would use the book and give people readings and try to do the little spreads that they had in the book. Eventually, um, I when I moved to Seattle, I went to Seattle Tarot School. And I learned formally from somebody named Seven Star, which I don't know if she still teaches tarot. Um, She may not. Um, But that was the teacher for me. I'll tell you what, that was the Mm -hmm. absolute. She was a native woman. Mm -hmm. Um, She was also like an interpreter for deaf people. And Mm -hmm. that was like the other job that she did. She was just everything. She was the I've never seen anybody approach it the way she did. And uh, to this day, um, it really, you know, they say the right teacher will arrive for you. She came and that was about 2014, 2016. Mm-hmm. So I was um, right before, a couple years before my Saturn return in my T-square. So, um, and I learned tarot first before astrology. So I think that's interesting that you um, learn them at the same time. So I got to astrology through tarot. And what happened was I had been learning tarot and um, I went to tarot school and I did really well. I did really well in tarot school and, but I still wasn't like out of the closet um, that, you know, I read tarot number one, number two, I wasn't like confident in my skills. You know, there's so much doubt, Um, even though I did have a natural disposition for reading Mm -hmm. I was still very like I need to learn more I need to learn more so one thing I discovered was oh every card has an astrological association I need to figure this out and I took to Facebook and there was this group called Astrology by Amy K. Dole shout out to Amy K. I don't think she's working in this stuff anymore yeah but she had this she had a group that was about the intersection between tarot and astrology and that intersection 
changed my life because there isn't a tarot reading that I do that doesn't involve astrology. Yeah. All of my sessions involve my client's birth chart. Um, all of the readings that I do involve the astrological association, um, at the very least, the uh, elemental um, association. So um, that's how I got there. I got there as an adult and it helped me through my Saturn return. And then post Saturn return, I gave less fucks and I was like, I'm doing this as my livelihood and, you know, swam uphill in the mud <laughs> to uh, get to where I'm at right now. Did it probably the hardest um, not, not the hardest. I'm dramatic. I'm a Leon moon, but yeah. like one of the most, like a really dramatic way to like get to where I'm at right now, as far as like shit posting, Facebook shit talking <laughs> to like get to Just where the social media escapades, the social moderate. media escapades, exactly, <laughs> and the relationships and the burnt bridges and the blocks and all that shit. So, um, and now I feel, and I, you know, I did get some formal education in astrology. It wasn't as comprehensive as my education in tarot. Um, but I picked it, I was once again, kind of a natural, um, when it came to it, which I'm not surprised that we're both naturals. We have very similar charts, Naomi yes. and I, and I think we'll, we'll talk about that on, um, another episode, but that's how I got there. And I think, I think the fact that we both got here through different ways, it was like nail was born into it. Her dad passed it down to her. My mom would have, if my mom found a tarot deck, she would have burnt, burnt it. Yeah. That was her, that was her favorite thing to do. Burn things in a very dramatic way. <laughs> I mean, with an Aries um, moon, zero percent yes. of surprise by that. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think it's, I think it's valuable that I got it as an adult and learned it formally. Um, so that's how I arrived where Nao grew up with it and um, probably never went to a tarot class in your life. So that also goes to show, um, that goes to show that you can arrive in completely different ways. Yeah. It can be something that is offered to you as a child and it can be something you arrive at later in life. Um, the one thing I will say is required is a reverence and a study like a respect of it and actually giving it the time to study um yeah. at some point we gotta tackle the intuitive readers <laughs> and be, um, we can make that a whole episode <laughs> we can make that a whole episode absolutely um you do have to study somewhat so even yes. if it's like okay i grew up with it it's since still I was a tradition 12, it's, it's still a tradition that's been around for longer than most of us have been alive. We've been doing the astrology that we use even today has its roots in ancient civilizations. So a lot of that's been established and got, obviously we've worked with it and for example, incorporated all of the modern planets, right? But you know, for the, all the planets that are visible to the naked eye, like we have specific definitions and ideas around and of course those have changed over time but they still the functional outline is still the same um though you can definitely depending on the culture approaches a little bit differently so there is there is variation out there but it, there is a long-standing tradition of astrology tarot was developed in the fort 13th or 14th century in italy though the divination system came a couple centuries later um but that's still been it's been around for a lot longer, even the um, the Wait Smith deck, and that because that's the the fundamental template for all tarot right now. I would say most tarot mm -hmm. decks owe their origins to the um, the Wait Smith, also known as the Rider Wait deck, and that tradition's also that's over a hundred years old at this point too. So there's these long standing traditions and definitions that have existed. So let's do right by them and at least honor mm -hmm. where they came from, honor their roots. We can still obviously use it within a modern context. And that's part of the beauty of it is that it can, and that these systems have endured centuries and that we can still use them and we'll be able to use them. Even I think 300, 400, 500 years from now, we'll still be using them. Absolutely. So honor those traditions. They're worth it. They are. It will evolve um, mm -hmm. just like it has evolved and survived. And, um, you know, uh, but I still think, 
it will have relevance. Um, as we learn more, it gets added to the archetype. So you were a child, you learned tarot, your dad, you know, blessed you with a tarot deck mm -hmm. and you just grew up with the new age stuff. How, yeah. what are you doing now? Like, what are you up to? Well, obviously doing these kinds of things, tarot and astrology and the esoteric in general have become what I do every day, all day, all the time. It's what I do for my livelihood um, through, you know, running a business that's oriented, not just on actually providing the service of doing readings, um, but also educational content um, and just connecting to the greater tarot and astrology world and staying just up to date and involved in the zeitgeist, shall we say, of the esoteric as it stands now with this brave new world of social media um, and just the community that has access to these things and to be able to talk about them is now it's an international community, which is really, really exciting. And just to see how people are yeah. arriving at these concepts from all over the world. Um, granted, obviously, we're, I'm limited to the English speaking world, but still, it's a lot of it's a lot more people than I ever would have been exposed to otherwise. So I've taken all of this time because one of the things that I obviously, you know, benefited from was my very secular upbringing. My parents were very open to the concept of different spiritualities, obviously. Um, so I never had to process any any uh, shame for getting into anything. So for my, you know, my 20s, I spent flip flopping all around new age stuff and dipping my toes into Buddhism and Hinduism and doing yoga with my friends on the weekends. Um, and just whatever I could consume and whatever interests me. And it stayed an interest. Like the esoteric has never not been an interest of me since that early introduction. So I just stayed with it and it slowly grew and evolved. And I learned about mm -hmm. Reiki and I'm a, uh, I hate using the term master, even though I do have my level three attunement. I prefer to just call it that. Mm -hmm. um, and I have an mm -hmm. active Reiki practice. I'm also getting in, getting, <laughs> getting into my um, <laughs> <laughs> the little moon rears her head <laughs> wow um getting into my um my ancestral traditions by getting into norse paganism and that's another um esoteric community that has a lot of work that it needs done and attention to so i'm i'm living my best esoteric witchy bitchy life just being able to do it all and spend my day on it every day um and helping people understand it and apply it to themselves and doing it for them if they so want me to do so too. What about you, my darling? I, well, I took the leap. I quit restaurant work in uh, 2019 to care for my daughter full time. She was born premature, so um, quite a bit premature. So it really changed the scope of my life and the fact that I wasn't like, you know, my Saturn return brought my baby. Um, and that was quite Saturn, fifth house Saturn yeah. business that I was dealing with there. And I created um, Star the Society of Terran Astrology Readers. And Yay. really that has just been the center of my existence easily uh, for the last three years besides raising my child. So those two things have been what I've been up to. And um, from that, other opportunities have arose. So I read tarot almost daily. I have sessions with clients almost every day where I am combining not just tarot, but cardamancy in general. I use Oracle cards. I use Lenormand cards. Um, I actually was introduced to Ohm by one of my clients in Ireland. So anything cardamancy related or like divination related, I really dive in um, head first and I'm always learning. So that's mm -hmm. really cool. And um, I also was blessed with the opportunity to write for, in my opinion, uh, the most innovative, beautiful deck on the market, which is a Superlunaris tarot deck. And it's amazing. It is one of the most effortlessly diverse decks. And I was asked to help write the guidebook for it. And when I tell you that was a dream come true, um, that's coming out soon. I'm going to be a published author. Yeah. Um, and that was a labor of love. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, um, that has been really amazing. So for the most part, I make my money 
um, off my Patreon and then like selling readings and sessions. So a queen, machete, queen machete session consists of tarot reading and like motivational speaking. Um, mm -hmm. I also do some uh, business development and branding because I'm super, I'm super psyched about like getting other people into the industry and just growing all of us together. Um, yeah. I've always had that, you know, uh, star is supposed to be a society of tarot and astrology readers, not, not necessarily come read tarot and astrology, but like people who are already doing it mm -hmm. and, you know, a professional organization. So star yeah. takes up a lot of my time, um, as it grows legs and people, meet each other all over the world it's really become an enigma in mm -hmm. and of itself um and i've had a lot you and i both have had a a very direct hand in that it's been a yeah. daily grind mm -hmm. so um opportunities have arose from that um i have my patreon that's where i make the bulk of my income and uh during the pandemic uh this year i moved to puerto rico so I actually, there's, there's a combination of two things taking place in my life. So there's this, my esoteric practices, tarot, astrology star, and then there's my indigenous life that is more private than, um, it's just more private than, than I think other, I don't know how to word it, but it's, it's just as important as uh, my tarot and astrology and stuff that I'm doing. But I'm also, um, you know, last year I lived on native land in California and did a conservatorship and learned so much about indigenous living. And then because of what I learned there and the spiritual awakening I had on that land, I decided to take the leap and move to my ancestral land, mm -hmm. which is Puerto Rico. And, um, I'm here now and I'm doing more indigenous work. I do see them intersecting, um, but right now it's not um, like Norse paganism for you. It's like right dead center in like your practice and all this stuff kind of like goes around it. Mm -hmm. um, for, for me, it's not, it's not exactly the same. So like I'm Taina and I do activism with that, but there isn't opportunities as much um, in my Taina identity to cross over with a tarot and astrology conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not unified, but it is unified in me as a practitioner. So I'm right. the unification of that. So I'm living my truth as an indigenous woman, as an indigenous activist, as a mother um, that also does tarot and astrology and runs mm -hmm. and it's a community builder and a content creator. And um, this is what I do for a living. So, and an author at this point, and um, right. we're also working on a book yes, our, of our own. <laughs> a lot of what we do is shadow work and introspective focused. Mm -hmm. And uh, Neo and I are not afraid to tackle the hard questions. And that's what a lot of these podcasts are going to be about. This was an introductory one. Yes. Um, but I feel like the future ones, you know, you'll think it's clickbaity on the title, but we'll really get into the nitty gritty. We're not scared. So, yeah. um, this is probably we, the most uh, PG and benevolent and nice will sound. Yeah. No, not entirely. But I mean, there'll be yeah, times. Yeah. Be I times. mean, we didn't scream at anybody and call anybody raggedy and stupid this episode, but I feel like, you know, we're not, we're not love and light. We are not. Um, we are definitely shades of gray. Shades type. of gray. We are not no gatekeep. We definitely yes. guard some gates. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not popular to say um, in the spiritual community, but we'll explain it to you why yeah. gates need to be kept. Why love and light is bullshit. Um, why it is unethical to do third party readings, why twin flame, why the twin flame cult is just that a cult cult. Yeah. Uh, um, we'll get into all of this, um, because these are the tenants in which our community is built. Mm -hmm. uh, star. Um, I was in a podcast with my good friend, Bradley Moonchild. And one thing we talked about is how star is counterculture of yes. the esoteric it's we're pushing against you know the 5d star seed love and light we are all one 
mm-hmm. situation. Um, I don't believe we're all one. Like maybe in the mind of I God. I used to. That's like the that's been some of like the best education um, of star for me is realizing how much of like the new age stuff that I like really used to believe in and still like maybe do. There's certain bits of it that I still keep because there's some of it that is relevant and that does apply. Mm-hmm. Like so the whole concept of we are one is like a really great example of that because like in like in my ultimate beliefs, yeah, we are all one because we're all of spirit, right? That's cool. But in the spirit world, we're all one. But when we're here on planet Earth right now, no, the fuck, we are not. We don't treat each other like we're all one. Not in any place on Earth do we do that. Um, so let's not try to apply our ideals in a world where they cannot function, where it's obvious they don't function that way. Or it's spiritual bypassing to do that. Or we're going to default yeah. to the white colonial mindset in order to be all one. Right. Um, so really breaking down those beliefs. And there may be times where you guys are listening to the show and you're like, I'm pissed off. Like, I Good. don't agree or I haven't heard that. <laughs> Good. Exactly. That is the goal. The goal. I got kicked out of a group today, a huge astrology group on Facebook. Um, because I said, um, what did I say? I said that, um, Virgos are just as delusional as Pisces because anxiety isn't real. And I got blocked straight up from that group for saying that, um, because it is controversial Mm -hmm. and, um, I'm not here to, somebody's got, I can definitely tell the tone, the tone is different in other spaces where everybody is solely kind to one another. However, we challenge the authenticity of that across the board Mm -hmm. and the intentions behind that. Mm -hmm. Um, When I feel, uh, and maybe it's my Aries sun, Kat Mars, um, maybe it's, you know, my Leo placements, but I feel that we're here to be challenged and being challenged will either confirm your beliefs, and make you stronger in what you already have or open your mind to new ideas. If your beliefs cannot withstand being challenged, then they're not as valuable as you think they are. Right. And that's one of the biggest strengths that star has and has always had is our commitment to authenticity. And I think because we are approaching that through tarot and astrology. So we're saying like, yes, you're passive aggressive. You have a cancer Mars. So you're going to be passive aggressive in your communication, especially when you feel threatened, you will resort to passive aggression. So just be honest about that. Mm -hmm. Just be honest. Don't try and cover it up and be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like don't try and deflect from what you are, especially when it's your flaws, but also embrace your strengths too. And because Mm -hmm. when we are using tarot and astrology to improve ourselves, you can't do that if you're going to lie to yourself and lie to others about who you really are. Like the, the call is to live an authentic life because we know by looking at the suit of the wands in particular, that living an authentic life is the key to self-actualization. Feeling like you are in alignment with who you truly are Amen. brings you into yeah. alignment with everything else around you and leads you to living a satisfying life. Not a happy Absolutely. one, a satisfying one, a yes. meaningful one. One where they, that you actually exist within and you're not just gaslighting yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, and it would take two Leo moons to be able to have this kind of audacity because at the end of the day, you know, we're Leo moons, we're going to be all right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we'll be fine. The God, the God complex is thick. These ones. Like, <laughs> we're going to be fine. So, um, but it's also confronting ourselves and yes. a way for us to be to model authenticity, which it's kind of cheating because for me, I'm an Aries Leo Leo. Mm -hmm. I'm not like doing something innovative. I'm literally just doing what's easiest for me. And people (laughs) I think sometimes forget that like, um, this is easier for me. Like you guys that are out here making fake personas and like being weird and awkward, that would be a stretch for me. Yeah. Um, so me just being myself and telling everybody to deal with it is natural. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's part of my shadow work is like admitting that admitting that I'm not just like so woke because I'm being so real, which I could do. 
because right. people kind of set you up as a leader to be that way, but constantly challenging ourselves, constantly challenging the community. Um, you know, we saw that ad the other day that was like soulpreneur, or I don't yeah. even know what the hell. Take There's your some business crazy into 5D, you soulpreneur. And it's some, it just- and it's like, and and you can imagine who's selling that, you know, and why, and how much those courses are going to cost. And it's not at all that we don't believe in making money off of it. Um, because you should be compensated for the effort that you're putting out in the world and you should be supported by people who want to see more of what you're putting out there. But there's a difference between modifying or like, how do I say, like making money off of people's access to the divine. Um, what I'm doing and what my practice is, is literally trying to teach people that they have access to it themselves. Yeah. work to make myself obsolete. Eventually, you know, I don't have the same clients that I had five years ago because they read tarot themselves now. They have their own businesses now um, because I believe that everybody can do that. So there's a lot, if this is coming, so what does this mean in pop culture? If pop culture is going to absorb tarot and astrology and we're just going to log into Snapchat and have a daily card draw populate over our head right here, you know, uh, a mm-hmm. filter, right. a tarot filter. I see one in the future. Um, then let's have responsible conversations about tarot. Even though we won't, even though like anything, pop culture will take and bastardize, at right. least star exists. At least this podcast exists. And you can hear a dissenting alternative voice, a counterculture voice, to a different way of looking at this because there are people that are going to just try to defeat us by saying, Oh my gosh, you believe in the stars. What effect can that actually have on you? Or, Oh my gosh, look at this cringe worthy 5d star seed twin flame person. I'm going to use that to discredit the entire community. Mm-hmm. And there will be times where we're just wiped away because of that. But the somebody will listen to our podcast and somebody will be like, you know what? I didn't think about it that way before or I'm really depressed today. Let me just look at my birth chart and you go down that rabbit hole and you feel a little bit less depressed because you're distracted. If anything, right. it's distracting. Oh and yeah, it's something and rabbit do. holes for days. Rabbit holes I mean, for days. Rabbit, rabbit cities. <laughs> rabbit cities, more like moles that dig underground and pop up in different places. You the never know where you'll end up. You will become a whole person if you get into astrology. (laughs) You heard it here live. (laughs) Yes, you do start looking kind of weird a few months in and sounding kind of weird. Um, It is different when I talk to people outside of the community and I'm just like, oh, well, the moon's in Scorpio. So, and they're just like, bitch, the fuck? Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, so we will be doing more episodes. um, But in the meantime... Um, is there anything you want to say um, to close out the show? Anything we missed for this particular episode? I don't think so. I think this is a great first start. I'm excited to do more of these with you. I'm excited to just continue to take on what we see out there as like little social media reporters and our little odd niches of the internet that we have and just let people know what's going on here and how to make and to have really bigger, better conversations about it from differing perspectives with more nuance, with richer, meatier, juicier content to just chew on. Absolutely. So where can they, where can they find you when you're not here with me? When I'm not here with Joali, you can Mm -hmm. find me on Instagram and on TikTok at the real it's Nao, N-A-O for that last part. It's a diminutive of Naomi. Not now, (laughs) which is funny. It's funny to play around with that wordplay wise, but truth be told, that's where you can find me uh, predominantly. Yes. And for me, I am Joali Nicole, uh, Joe Ali, not Jolie, not Joali, not Jole or (laughs) I mean, I could go on and on for all the different, different names, but I am Joali Nicole. Queen Machete, uh, you can find me Queen Machete on Facebook, Queen.Machete on Instagram and TikTok, and Patreon.com slash Queen Machete if you want to support my communities. But mostly you can find me in Star and whatever iteration that is. 
um, on Facebook because we some thugs. Mm-hmm. And if you, um, I'm not even going to give the name because it could possibly be changed by the time you hear this podcast. Uh, knock on wood. Yeah, probably. But you can find us at starthesociety.com. There will be an updated link to the group on that website. And um, I just want to thank everybody that helped make this possible, the Starlings around the world. Yes. Um, I want to thank our business partner, Noe of Cersei and Co for always being there and supporting us. Um, and just, I want to thank you, Nao. Thank you for us finally doing this podcast finally. and putting this out there. This and, is the start um, of a brilliant new chapter of our lives. It is. And we're going to get better at it. And I apologize in advance for the different varying wildlife here in Puerto Rico. It, there isn't a time of day. It, it, at night, it's the dogs. During the day, it's the roosters. It's going to be something. The coquis, the frogs, the crickets. You will hear the wildlife here in Puerto Rico. So um, thank you for that. And um, we will catch you next time. Um, our outro is going to be uh, music by Machete Sound. Um, I might be a little bit biased. But um, thank you. Just a little. But thank you so much, guys. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Father, give thanks for me, mother. Give thanks for me, family. Give thanks for me.